Alan Howarth grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, playing music in local rock bands. Over time, he navigated his way to opening for national touring acts, including The Who and Cream. From 1976, he provided synthesizer support for the fusion jazz band Weather Report, which relocated him to Los Angeles. His next career break came in 1979 when he met the sound effects team for Star Trek The Motion Picture and was taken on as a sound designer for the following six Star Trek films. During this time, he met and began collaborating with John Carpenter on films including Escape from New York, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Christine, and They Live. His journey from Cleveland to Hollywood was fueled by a combination of talent, business savvy, and street smarts. And he shares some of the philosophy behind his decisions on today's show. Welcome to the Nimble Photographer Podcast, hosted by me, Derek Story. Today, we travel to Newport Beach, California to learn from Alan Howarth. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you've mentioned before that there are a lot of life lessons that can be learned in a rock band. Uh, what do you mean by that? All right, well, consider this. One, you know, in high school, at my high school, this is, you know, ancient days, uh, you know, just after color TV, 19, mid-1960s. I graduated in 66. So sort of 64, it started. This, the idea is, one, you know, you either join an athletic team or you join a band, right? And bands were cool, so I did the band thing. But now you've got four or five guys that you, you got to get a van, you got to put together a PA, you got to book the gigs, you got to get everybody there in whatever physical and mental condition they have, you got to deal with all the girlfriends, you got to deal with all this human dynamics, and you got to hit the road, keeping all that going. I mean, so many bands get so far. And then the band breaks up and, you know, you get a garage full of equipment and you do another band. And this is this over and over keep trying thing because you've, you've had some some success, but you want to want to keep doing it again. I mean, in my theory, I think they should that rock band should be a class in high school that you can take. And, and you know, you're, you know, for that quarter or that year, you, you, you and a bunch of people form a band and you have to do a, do a concert at the end of the end of the year. I couldn't. I, I could not agree more. And the and the other aspect of it, at least uh, what I went through during uh, my rock band phase, was also finding the place that you could practice, right? Because I mean, that's sure. that's a project in itself. This was even before the rehearsal halls, right? So, so finding st whose parents would put up with the, you being down in the basement and tearing up the 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 ambience of the house for three or four hours while all this noise was in the basement or in the garage, hence garage band. That was the thing, and, and certainly over time, bands have gotten a lot louder. But you know, this touches on a another thing that I was thinking about that I wanted to talk to you about. It, you know, you're talking on you know the idea of working with others and how that you know, helps you learn other aspects of being an artist and sometimes the practical side. So you've also done gigs uh, with Skywalker. Uh, you were what, uh, chief audio officer for electronic arts. So you've had, you know, what we consider, you know, real jobs of the real companies. Uh, how, how important do you think that is to ultimately being a successful independent? You know, I learned some serious lessons by being on the other side, right? So as an independent artist, you're always approaching a Skywalker or an electronic arts or, I mean, I just recently was uh, on, on a team with Magic Leap and development there. The big company has the resources, 
but they don't move it. They're not light on their feet, right? They have a way they're going to do it, and you have to fit into that stuff. And then I don't want to make this sound negative, but there are people that are at that company that are going to be there for the rest of their life. That that's enough for them. They just want to protect their turf and their territory, and they spent the time to rise up in the power structure. So there's these all these other personalities that have hidden agendas that you cannot, on the surface, not know until you're there for a while and uh, dealing with that stuff. Because ultimately, every company's there to make money. When you, when you're an artist, you almost you, know, you when you're when you're a, an artist. I mean, you, you, you're playing for free and you got a, a, a gig working someplace else. You, you're, you're supporting yourself independently. Uh, and money is the thing. It's being cool and doing what you want. But sooner or later, you got to make a business out of it. I don't want to say money's the goal, but, uh, you know, money's, money's the gas that's in your tank. You can go someplace and do things. So you got to manage that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, learning the business side is so important. So you can keep the, the vehicle moving forward. How about when you're in the uh, business environment, how about the connections that you make? And, you know, compared to if you were just out, especially a, a, as a young artist, you know, in your 20s and 30s, do you think working for a business during that phase uh, allows you to establish connections that can help you later on when you're an independent? Did that, did that work for you at all? Absolutely. You know, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. I'm not a hardcore aggressive person so so when i get into aggressive environments um you got two choices you either take center stage and be the guy or you sit in the peanut gallery and want to watch them all eat each other up but my goal was to never burn a bridge with anybody and i got to say that i have a a long-lasting friendship relationship with people that goes back 50 years well, some of those people were just the, you know, the, the, the assistant loader of, of some editorial department on some picture that are now getting Academy Awards. You just never know where it's going to come from. So every person you just be open with, treat them fairly, you know, treat them as you want to be treated back. And you just stay, stay in contact and things ebb and flow. You just never know where this is going to go. So, so you know, I always say to any any young artist, you know, when you come to L.A., it's 50% talent and 50% relationships. And in some, I've seen people that are actually do better with relationships and have less talent. And I've seen people that are very talented crap out because they can't keep relationships. So, yeah, there's some balance in there. Yeah, I've seen the same thing in uh, other art forms too, and I totally agree with you on that. And I love the advice. Uh, about not burning the bridge because uh, especially when you're earlier in your career it's so tempting just to say hey you know give them the finger and walk away with your you know your chest puffed out and to resist that temptation holding on to the bigger picture I think that takes a lot of you know emotional intelligence but that can really come back in a very positive way later on if you have the discipline to do that. Correct. Yeah. You, if somebody sees you go through something that's pretty nasty and come out on the other side whole, it's like, wow, that guy's got substance. That guy's know how, knows how to deal with life as opposed to he's a flaming idiot and I'll never work with that guy again. You know, yeah, the, the thing that that I've noticed, I because I do a lot of contract work as well. And it seems like what people want are someone that not only do you have the talent to do the job or whatever they want you to do, but they want to rely on you because when you're talking earlier, especially about people who are career company people, 
their whole thing is to deliver, to look good, to protect their fiefdom. And if you're helping them do that, if you're the kind of person they can depend on, then uh, they'll go to bat for you until they don't, <laughs> of course. Mm -hmm. But but or I can't or can't, and and you know what? Probably can't is the bigger thing. Yeah. Uh, until they can't. But you know, you delivering uh, as an adult, uh, regardless of your age, uh, I think is a big part of it. I, I really do. They need to trust you. I also learned something in Asia, which is which is a dynamic I hadn't considered, but I learned this in Asia. Was if if you have an idea whatever it is, you're promoting something and you're going to a business organization, it's better to befriend or create a relationship with the number two or the number three guy in the organization and get them on board and then have them take it to the number one guy. Because if you do the reverse, if you go to the president's CEO and you sell him on what you're doing and he buys into it and he turns you over to guy number two and three and sort of shoves, shoves you down their throat, you don't get their support. Yeah, they're, they're they're looking to find something wrong with you early on and get rid of this guy. I mean, I know the boss says we didn't, but who is this guy? Yeah, they'll you undermine know? you, won't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so so I always always watch for the the number two or three guy in an organization. Approach them, tell them what's going on, get them to come on board and go. Man, that's great. And then they look good by bringing you to the number one guy. And you got a supporter in the organization. Oh man, I wish I would have had this conversation with you 15 years ago. <laughs> it's a life lesson because I've done it. I've done it both ways. Hey, um, another thing I wanted to touch on. This is an ongoing theme with artists that I talk to. This is, uh, you know, this notion of reinvention. It seems to me that this is something that has to happen faster and faster now, or at least that's my sense of it. Uh, are you feeling? Like you have to sort of reinvent at least parts of your business more frequently. Have you, what, what's your sense of all that right now? The, the, the joke is, you know, there used to be two things in life you could always count on, death and taxes. Well, you got number three now, change. Death, taxes, and change are the things you cannot avoid. They're coming your way. Being adaptive, uh, you know, and this is where the artist and the creative part of you, you can really apply because things aren't, everything's clay now. Nothing's fixed and fired. Even if it was, even it was cast before, and you were successful at it, and you're a whatever, you got to be ready to, to morph to the next version of your talents into this next need, opportunity, whatever you want to call it. But let's go back to you know Da Vinci. Here's Leonardo Da Vinci, one of the greatest artists, and he he wants designing military stuff for the king to get to get on board, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just the nature of, of you know, there are, there are power structures or people who have all the money or all the wealth or whatever. They're, they're, they're the kingpins, they're the kingmakers, and you have to come up with something that's useful to them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times people, they think of creativity as like, you know, writing a song or you know, painting a painting or something like that. But a big part of creativity, I think, or another aspect of it that's super important is problem solving. Being a creative person that can solve a problem or overcome a challenge, or in this case, like we're talking about, uh, identify a change that's coming and figure out, you know, either how to get ahead of that change or at least be a part of it. Agreed. I mean, that's part of my personality. I, mean, I remember when I was a kid, most of my famous Christmas presents were puzzles. You know, those little mind teasers, you had to figure out how to get the thing and twist it to make this come apart and put it back together. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I was always attracted to those things. So I, so I'm in the big version of that now. We call it life. <laughs> you know. 
and here's the other thing too, and I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to all our artists out there. Most of us have some vision of what is going to be. And, and my indicator, I mean, I always, I always characterize myself as I'm the average kid on the block only five years ahead. You know, I, I, I can see it coming. Like I said, I was in on advanced sound systems. I was in on, you know, I, I remember taking a meeting with uh, Peter Gocher and Evan, Evan Brooks on, on what was going to be Pro Tools, being uh, giving early feedback to Dave Smith on the Profit 5. I mean, you know, my, the people pick my brain constantly. My wife gets me in. They're not, they're picking, always picking your brain and you're not paying you anything. I'm going, yeah, I don't know, but I don't mind. It's sharing. It's part of the exchange. Exactly. You know, it'll, come, it'll, it'll come back to you. You know, and you don't want to be stupid about it, but... And there are some people who just suck your brain dry because you, they can. So you have to have boundaries on these things too, which I'm I'm pretty bad at. But, but it, it's just this whole idea of, of, of problem solving, being creative. I'm always thinking of the go round. Every time I get into a piece of software and I do don't do what I want, I'm trying to think of the go round. Well, if I make it do this and this, I know they never designed it too, but maybe this will get my solution. Constantly, constantly fooling fooling with the program to to get a, a new result that wasn't thought about. Also, I did like your digression there for a second because it did bring up something else I was thinking about, which is the idea of sharing. I have discovered that I can share freely and it hasn't really hurt my business. And in fact, I think it's actually helped it. And I know, especially in the areas that I know more about uh, photography in particular, the photographers sometimes really want to hide how they did something or, you know, they don't want to give away that technique. And then I see guys just giving it away, giving it away. And they're the guys that seem to be doing well in the stream. And the other guys, yeah, they've, they've hoarded everything, but you know, there they are locked up like Scrooge in their little room and they're not really going anywhere. The sharing, the being open. I, I remember taking a meeting on somebody who was going to do some, some marketing, business marketing for me. And I took the meeting and I said, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I can't tell you until you give me a check. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you my plan. Just know that I'm 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 a professional. I know what I'm doing, and as soon as as soon as you unlock the the cage with some money, I'll I'll, I'll do it. Whereas somebody else comes by and goes, well, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do this, 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 this. And you go, oh, I'm going with that guy, right? Yeah. He told me he told me what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't mean we won't get burned sometimes. You know, oh. we it's or, or or most of the time. But. <laughs> 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 but I'm, but I'm, but I'm an idea guy. I mean, even when I give somebody, I share an idea with somebody, and they run with it, I just got to kind of check the box and go, well, I got more ideas. You know, <laughs> that, that was important to them. I'm glad they got something out of it. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, uh, just to put a, a wrap on this, I, I want to know what you're excited about right now. What project are you working on right now that you're excited about? And I also want to make sure that people can find out more about you. So let's let them know where they can do that as well. Sure, alanhoworth.com, uh, website, myname.com. You look my name up, you'll find me on the internet. I'm going to give you my pet project. In, in, the, in the early 90s, I was given a book on the architecture of the Great Pyramid. The author is a fellow named Wes Bateman, and he wrote it with the idea of looking for the units of measure of the original architect. The idea being that whoever designed this thing, it's a big plan, and they must have had units of measure that made sense. They wouldn't make it like, you know, 282 point da 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 da. It would have been like 260 or, or 300 or something like that. We took every measurement that anybody ever made of the pyramid and sort of averaged it down to like about a tenth of an inch. So he really knew the stuff. He looked at the all the measurements of the mass and decided that the boil down of the, the architecture of the pyramid is based on phi, the golden mean, and pi, pi or squared, circles. 
And at the end of the end of the book, he said there was frequencies associated with the pyramid. And my antenna went up. What? What are you talking about? Well, I got his number, rang him up, started a conversation with him. He started telling me what's going on. And he predicted that there would be an acoustic property in the King's Chamber where the A note, if you call it an A range, because, you know, we got letters to frequency ranges. He said that the A note of the Great Pyramid would be 424 cycles. How would he know that? And the answer is he was so precise in the measurements that he could predict the wavelength that would resonate in the dimensions of the acoustic chamber. Park it there. So I told this, tell this story to a, an author, a fellow named Dr. J.J. Hertog, very famous PhD and ancient writings, Coptic and biblical and Hebrew and all this other stuff character. He has an organization. He wrote a book called The Keys of Enoch. This is his seminal work. He's still doing it. Uh, and, and I told him this story. And he says, Alan, I think you're onto something. Let's prove it. So he arranged for first for an expedition to the Mayan uh, Yucatan. And I did acoustical measurements of over 200 Mayan rooms just for, for the, for the non-audio person. You can measure the resonance of a room by playing a sound into it called pink noise, which is all frequencies simultaneously. It sounds like steam. And then you re-record how that flat response has been changed by the room. So where the sound got louder, there was like resonance. It peaked. It got amplified by the room. That's what we're talking about. So I did a database of Mayan, Mayan temples, and over 60% resonated to the same frequency. And that frequency, in this case, was 216 cycles, which is, if you take the octave of it, is 432. And if you look at the frequencies of that, 432 is actually the phi, or PHI, resonance. And you're going to see a lot of, a lot of conversation now about how 432 music is better. I'm agreeing. It is better. And it turns out that the golden mean is the, is the constant for the creation of life. So if you look at look at snail shells, that's the Fibonacci curve. A lot of people are familiar with that. If you look at the portions of the human body and the length of the bones and the hand, if you take somebody's face, when you see a beautiful face, all the phi ratios from the head, forehead to the nose to the lips to the chin are perfect. And that's beauty. That's aesthetics. Back to our art thing. You know, and, and when you, you frame a picture, if you get the phi ratios of the framing of the positions, you look at all the great art, you look at the Last Supper, you look at the this or that or this or that, all the great art has this phi ratio all over it. So there's a note that goes with that. With that success, I actually rented the Great Pyramid. I went to Egypt and measured the acoustic properties of the Great Pyramid, and Bateman was absolutely correct. It measured out to what he predicted. This is the pi frequencies. So the pi side of it, and it turns out the pi frequencies correlate to the chakras. So 424 was the heart chakra. 425 is the throat, 426 is the third eye, 427 is the crown, 422 is the, is, is the belly, 421 is the root chakra. So as an artist, if you want to do dance music, you should be tuning your A note to 421. So this whole idea of natural resonance is my project right now. I have a website still in development called naturalresonance.net. It'll, it'll mature. I'm going to make apps so you can shift the frequency of, of music on your phone to your personal resonances. And that's my current, what I'm excited about. That, no wonder you're excited about that. That is amazing. I, I just think that's phenomenal, Alan. I mean, this is, talk about connecting your art to something that is, you know, just bigger. This is, this is that. So, so anyhow, I'll have, I'll have an app out soon that you can do the frequencies on your, for your personal resonance. I'm, I'm 
branding right now is national residence, but I'm consulting people as far as what would be hip to call it and stuff like that. All right. And if people want to follow this, uh, again, the best spot to do that? AllenHoward.com will have a link, but then there's also a, a website that's under construction has a little video about stuff called naturalresonance.net. That's great. Alan, I really appreciate you uh, having your morning coffee break with me on this. Glad. I'm glad, glad to share, Derek. Uh, yeah, let's have another conversation, follow up on this universal knowledge thing. Uh, it goes on forever. I would love it. I would love it. All right. Have a great day. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. A big thanks to Alan for joining us this week and hats off to Kelly Richards, our talent producer, for making the connection. I'll be back next time with another artist and the thoughts behind their creation. Until then, this is Derek Story, the nimble photographer, wishing you great success in all your endeavors. I went and played saxophone, reading charts, and at the end of the night he handed me 80 bucks and my eyes went wide. This podcast is made possible by select members of Patreon. You can learn more and pledge your support for the digital story and the nimble photographer by visiting www.patreon.com slash the digital story. That's www.patreon.com slash the digital story.